0: Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson, his wife Carlotta, and their daughter Hannah Miller, this program will help you understand that human beings are more than just physiology, that for people there's more than just diagnosis and treatment, and that in life there's more than just medicine for a cure. This is More Than Medicine, and the doctor is in.
1: Welcome back to More Than Medicine. My name is Hannah Miller, and I'm here with my dad, Dr. Robert Jackson, and we want to talk about, it's it's January, and what's the big thing that happens in January is people are setting goals, New Year's resolutions. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about goals and goal setting today, and just here's some information for you as we kind of head into this conversation. And that's that 70% of people have stopped attempting to reach their goal by six months. And 90% have stopped by nine months. And only 3% of people who set a New Year's resolution have actually maintained that resolution and kept up with it for the whole uh, 12 months of that year. So, we're so bad at this. <laughs> so, why should we uh, even take the time to consider goals and goal setting? Because and I know a lot of people who, who they do think this because they say, well, year after year I've done this and I failed every time. I'm not I'm just not even going to try this year why and even try. Why even try? And there's a part of me that sympathizes with that. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I get you. I feel you. But um should we You know, if we're so poor at this, should we consider, continue to consider goals and goal setting each year? And what can we do to be better at keeping our goals?
2: All right. Well, let me, let me set a little bit of ground, groundwork first, and then we're going to read a Bible story or share a Bible story. First of all, I'd like for our listeners to know that at Yale University, they conduct a study of their incoming freshmen uh, every year. And they ask them lots of questions. And among the questions that they ask is, do you have a personal set of written down goals? They ask each successive class the same set of questions every year as they move from freshman to sophomore, to junior to senior, and then as they graduate. Mm -hmm. They send the same survey to their graduates for many years This has been an ongoing survey at Yale University and their alumni for many, many decades. And it's been very interesting that in the results of their survey, they have found that consistently only about 3% of their students and alumni have a habit of writing out a personal set of goals, goals that are written down. They've also discovered, though, very interestingly, That the 3% that have a written down set of goals accomplish more Mm -hmm. educationally, occupationally, financially, and in almost every other category than the other 97% combined. Wow. Now, that's an amazing statistic. Yeah. That's the power of goal setting. But goal maintenance is important as well. Because just setting a goal doesn't accomplish anything. We have to also adhere and mm-hmm. pursue our goals. So before we can have a vision for reaching the world for Jesus Christ, we must have a vision for reaching our own personal goals. And I share that with my own self every year mm-hmm. on, yeah, I when gonna... January rolls mm-hmm. around, because I have to remind myself, mm-hmm. if I can't reach my own personal goals, then how am I going to Reach the world for jesus christ
1: mm-hmm. well and, and I knew that when I asked you about doing this i and having this conversation and recording this podcast and broadcast i I knew that every well this was something that Dad should be able to talk about because every year mm-hmm. i've uh, that I've known you you've set goals mm-hmm. and you've encouraged all of us to have goals and and adhere to them through the year
2: that's right, well it's often been said that he who aims at nothing will that's surely true. hit it
1: yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right.
2: And I just don't want to be the guy who aims at nothing. I would say that Christians should be both goal oriented mm-hmm. and people oriented. And I always say that because I know people who are so goal oriented that they exclude people mm-hmm. from or, their life.
1: Or run over them That's in right. order to attain, They're very ta- uh, what is it, um, task oriented, very task oriented yes. people.
2: But on the other hand, there's some people that are so people oriented that they they can't organize their life, orchestrate Mm -hmm. their life to achieve worthwhile goals. Mm -hmm. So there's a balance. The other thing to understand is that there are only two things in this world that are eternal. One is the word of God, God himself and Mm -hmm. his word. And the other thing is the souls of men. And we have to understand that if we're going to invest our lives in things that net for us eternal dividends, we need to invest our lives in things that are eternal, our relationship with the Lord and His Word, and our connection with reaching the souls of men. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we set goals, we have to make sure that our goals include an investment in the Word of God and an investment in reaching the souls of men, because those two things are eternal. The Bible tells us that, that Jesus said that He chose us to bear fruit to be fruitful. That's John 15 and verse 16. He chose us and ordained us that Mm -hmm. we should bear much fruit. I also suggest that a life lived aimlessly will will not be a productive and fruitful, fruit-bearing life. Mm And, and
1: you're right there talking about spiritual fruit. Yes. Um, a lot of times we hear that and we think about children because of, you know, in Genesis, it says, go forth and be fruitful and multiply. And that's what a lot of people think of. But, you know, this conversation obviously is talking about spiritual discipline and spiritual fruit, character, you know, having the fruit of good character.
2: That's right. Or, or fruitfulness and witnesses. Right. Reaching the world. So I I submit to our listeners and to myself every January when this Mm -hmm. time runs around that we all need a good set of of goals that Mm -hmm. helps us to accomplish the objectives in life that God has given us. Now, let's start with a definition of success. I would submit that success is the continual achievement of worthwhile, God-inspired goals. There are a lot of definitions of success out there but success is a continual achievement of worthwhile God-inspired goals. And that means that I am doing and being what God wants me to do and be. Mm -hmm. Remember the hymn that we sing, Trust and Obey? Yeah. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but Mm -hmm. to trust and obey. Well, there's no other way to be successful in the Lord unless we're trusting Mm -hmm. and obeying. So let's give a definition of a goal. A goal is a definite measurable, simply stated objective toward which we have committed ourselves to strive. Let me mm-hmm. say that again. It's a definite, measurable, simply stated objective toward which we have committed ourselves to strive. Now having said that, let's rehearse a Old Testament story that most of our listeners will know very well. In Genesis chapter 24, Abraham is is getting older, he has a son named Isaac, his wife, Sarah, has died, and he is eager to find a bride for Isaac. Mm-hmm. So he recruits his servant, his chief servant, who is responsible for everything that he owns, and he charges him to go and find a bride for isaac and He says to him, "I do not want you to get a bride from anybody in this surrounding country in Canaan, but I want you to go back to my family in." northern Mesopotamia, where he came from, and find a bride for Isaac from there. So Eleazar, as I believe the the servant's name, Mm -hmm. agrees to do this. He takes a vow and he promises Abraham that he will do this and that he would not take a a bride for Isaac from the surrounding countryside in Canaan. And then in verse 10, it says that the servant took 10 of his master's camels, and he left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. And he set out for Aram Naharim, which is northern Mesopotamia, and he made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time when the women go out to draw water. The first thing he did, Miss Hannah, was he prayed. O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now, let's stop there and talk about this a minute. How much water will 10 thirsty camels drink?
1: A lot of water.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so when one young lady who doesn't even know this strange man mm-hmm. offers not only to give him a drink, but also his 10 thirsty camels, he would know that that was a spectacular and supernatural answer Mm-hmm. to his prayer. So the Bible says that before he had even finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. So this servant, God had led him exactly to the community where Abraham's kinfolk lived. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin, No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing becca, that's five grams, and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? Well, then she explains who she belongs to, and he begins to realize that she belongs to Abraham's kinfolk. And then she runs and tells her family who is at the well, and he explains how he's connected to Abraham. They invite him to spend the night, and, and it's just a big celebration. And it's interestingly that when he realizes who he's connected to, and who she belongs to. In verse 26, the servant bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. And if people have ever read this story, they know that he explains the whole story to the household of Rebecca's family. They agree to let her go with him, and the servant takes Rebecca back to Isaac and they mm-hmm. are married. And it's a very interesting story, but it's a story of God's divine providence, a story of God's supernatural direction. It's a story of God answering prayer. Mm-hmm. So, having read the story, I want us to take us back to this whole notion of setting goals. If you remember, I said that a good goal was definite, Mm -hmm. it was measurable, and it was simply stated. Now, 40 years ago, I heard Charles Stanley at First Baptist Church in Atlanta say that hazy goals makes for hazy living. (laughs) (laughs) And he's right. He was exactly right. And this servant had a very definite, measurable, simply stated goal. And when he prayed, he said, Lord, let the one who comes and not only gives me a drink, but gives drink to all my camels, let her be the one. Mm -hmm. Now, that's bizarre. Mm -hmm. That's just so unbelievable that he would even make a request like that, that he would have an objective or a goal like that but that was his goal and it was very simply stated it was very obviously measurable he would know plainly when he achieved his goal and it was a very definite goal and you see he knew exactly when his objective was met because when she lowered her jar to give him water and begin to water the camels he knew immediately mm-hmm. that she was the one Now, let me make some suggestions. When you're setting goals and you sit down, the very first thing that has to happen is you need to be in prayer. Mm -hmm. We need to pray about our goals so that we obtain the mind of Christ. It does us no good to just sit down and make out goals that have no bearing whatsoever on the Word of God or where God is leading us. We must always seek to find out where God is moving Mm-hmm. in the world around us, in our family, in our own lives. Prayer has to come first. And it's interesting that this servant, the very first thing he did was what? He prayed. prayed. He sure mm-hmm. did. And he sets a good example for us. We need to pray first so that we can acquire the mind of Christ about our goal mm-hmm. setting.
1: And the thing about his prayer, too, is kind of going back to what you were just saying, that was, I mean, what if he had just prayed, bring somebody along? Yeah. I mean, what if he just said, Lord, bring a girl, you know, bring, bring, the right, bring, bring a girl, bring bring a girl the right you know, girl. And it was, it was vague <laughs> and there was no, was, like, this is what I, you know, then how is it? And 10 girls show up at right. the well. And that's then right. he's got to ask him, okay, well, which one, which one? Right. And then he's got it. So, you know, as you said, it w- there was no hazy goal, so he didn't have to live in a hazy manner trying to figure out. He was very specific, yeah. and it allowed for when that when God fulfilled that, he was very easily able to see this is exactly the one. Yeah.
2: Now, I would encourage people when you sit down to write your goals after you've prayed, try to project yourself into the future and visualize who is it that God wants you to be. And what is it that God wants you to have accomplished in your life? Write these things down and understand that these are your long-range goals. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And then you set short-range goals Mm -hmm. to help you accomplish the long-range goals. The short-range goals usually revolve around milestones in your life or around calendar events. Uh, short-range goals for students usually revolve around the academic year. Mm-hmm. For businessmen, sometimes it, involve, it revolves around their, their financial year.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So everybody's life is different, and they should set their short-range goals to revolve around different events in their year. Now, what about long-term goals? Let me just give you a couple examples. For me, I tell people that their goals need to be The ham, biscuit, and potato salad goals. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What I mean by that is this. I have been to lots of funerals in my life.
1: Okay. Now I know where you're going. And after the
2: funeral, what what do people do? They all go Mm -hmm. back to that person's home, and they stand around the kitchen counter, and they eat ham, biscuits, and potato salad, and they talk about the person that is deceased. Now... I've heard lots of conversations that you would not repeat in polite conversation, Mm -hmm. polite company. Mm -hmm. But I've also been in the home of people who have gone to Jesus, who were godly, God-fearing people. And the family members stood around and they talked about that saint who has gone to Jesus. And the conversation was God-honoring and a blessing to listen to.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And you see, when I'm going to Jesus, Miss Hannah, and when all the friends and family gather at the kitchen counter in my house, eating ham biscuits and potato salad, (laughs) having that conversation, there are certain things that I want them to say about Dr. Jackson. Mm -hmm. One of them that I determined a long time ago is I want them to be able to say that, that, you know, that Dr. Jackson, he really knew how to teach the Bible. Mm Ezra 7.10 says that Ezra purposed in his heart to study the law of the Lord and to obey it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. When I first read that way back in college, I said, oh, Lord Jesus, I want that to be true about me. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it has been one of my long range goals to be like Ezra somebody who could teach God's statutes and ordinances in Israel. But I had to study the law of the Lord first, and I had determined in my heart to obey it. And I want somebody to say when I'm dead and gone, <laughs> the old Robert, he knew how to teach the word. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want is when I'm dead and gone and everybody's at the church, at my funeral, I want half the church house to be full of people that my family doesn't even know who they are. But they're people that I have led to the Lord somewhere in my life, through my medical practice or or somewhere. Mm -hmm. And they go look around and say, who are all these people? But they're going to be people that I have had the privilege of leading them to faith in Christ. And you see, these are my long range objectives. Now, I set short range goals that will help me to accomplish those long range goals. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get the idea. The second thing is I encourage people to set goals that can only be accomplished if God is involved. You see, Eliezer's goal was a big goal, right. I mean, it, it was a supernatural request, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't going to happen unless God did something. Survival and making ends meet is no goal for a Christian. Jesus took care of that in Matthew 6. He told us that he would take care of all of our basic needs for food, shelter, and clothing. So when I hear Christians say all the time, oh, Doc, I'm just getting by. I'm just surviving. I I realize that they don't really understand how Jesus has provided for us and how he's encouraged us to be overcomers Mm -hmm. in this world. The third thing is categorize your goals. Make your goals out for for your physical life, your social Mm -hmm. life, your mental development, for your spiritual life, for your business, for your family, Categorize each of your goals and then make goals for each of those categories. When I first made my goals way back in college, it only filled about half of a five by seven card. Very simple,
0: very Mm -hmm. short.
2: But now when I write my goals, it takes two or three pages because I have lots of goals and lots of categories. And then you must have a consuming passion for the accomplishment of your goals. A little bit of fire is quenched by a little bit of water. Mm. But when there's a consuming fire, every fire truck in town can't put it out. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true about our goals. We have to have a consuming passion for our goals. We have to make a strong commitment, just like Eleazar did. And we have to have to make provisions. You see, he loaded up 10 camels. Mm -hmm. Not only did he make provisions, but he made a long journey. He applied diligence and effort to the accomplishments of his goals. There's an old Chinese proverb that says that he who stands on side of mountain with open mouth waiting for roast duck to fly in has a skinny belly. (laughs) Well, you see, Eleazar wasn't that kind of guy. Mm -hmm. He made provisions. He took a journey and ultimately accomplished his goal. Those of us who set goals also have to make a commitment we have to make provisions, we have to apply diligence, and there has to be a consuming passion in our hearts for accomplishing our goals. And then like Eleazar, when we start to see our goals come true, then we have to praise God for the accomplishment of our goals. He was very careful on two separate occasions to actually fall on his face and praise God when parts of his goal came true. I also encourage folks to set a realistic goal, lest you be continually discouraged. It would not be realistic for me to set a goal to become a millionaire in 12 calendar months. You know, people don't become millionaires overnight unless they win the lottery. You know, people become millionaires over a lifetime of diligent work and investing. And so people should set realistic goals, but yet their goals should be just out of reach so that God has to be involved supernaturally for those goals to be accomplished. And then review your goals weekly. Now I'm talking about what does it take for us to accomplish our goals without falling out along the wayside. Review them every week, realign them as needed, and rededicate yourselves daily to the accomplishment of our goals. Whatever captures your mind will eventually capture you. And that's why it's so important to review your goals every day or every week so that they become a part of your mindset. They become a part of your thinking. So in conclusion, I would say this. Devise your goals prayerfully and carefully. See them clearly. That means they need to be written down and kept in a place where you can see them every week. Want them desperately. There has to be a consuming passion in your heart for the accomplishment of your goals so that a little bit of opposition, a little bit of trouble, a little bit of hardship and tribulation in your life doesn't keep you from accomplishing your goal. Then pursue them relentlessly with persistence. The first requirement in the accomplishment of a great dream is a great capacity to dream. The second requirement is persistence or a faith in the dream. In other words, the ability to pursue relentlessly that dream. And then I would say act today as if it's a reality. If we have a goal but no plan and no action, that goal is just a dream. However, if we have a goal plus a plan of action, and we put it into action, that goal becomes a reality. Now, Miss Hannah, you've heard me say this plenty of times. If you think you look funny sitting on a horse, you'll never lead a cavalry charge. <laughs> now, lots of people have no vision for the accomplishment of their goals because they just think it's preposterous. If you think you look funny sitting on a horse, you're never going to stand sit on a horse with a drawn saber. In front of a hundred cavalrymen and lead them across the battlefield with bullets flying and cannonballs flying and bugles blaring, and confidently lead them in a cavalry charge because you lack confidence, you lack conviction. Those men will not follow you into battle. And by the same token, if you do not have a conviction that you can accomplish your goals, if you do not have confidence, and God's ability to work through you to accomplish your goals, you will never, ever get there. Ask yourself frequently, am I getting where I'm going, or am I just spinning my wheels? There has to be a frequent measurement of your progress. And then the last thing is to be accountable. When you set your goals, you've got to have an accountability partner, somebody that will talk to you once a week and ask you, how are you doing in the pursuit of your goals? That's the key difference between the folks who fall out along the wayside and those who actually accomplish their goals year by year. And those are the ones who fall in the 3% that accomplish more than everybody else.
1: Mm-hmm. Dad, thanks so much for sharing all this. What a great word for us on goals and setting goals and how to maintain and stick with the goals that we've set. I know it's been really encouraging for myself. And that last thing that you just said, accountability. Uh, this was one of the first years that I shared with another like some of my bigger goals, because mm. you don't want this element of what if I don't, what if I don't get there? Yeah. I'm gonna be so ashamed, and I don't yeah. want people to know. <laughs> um, but this was one of the years where I said, no, I'm gonna set this goal, and I'm gonna put it out there in the universe, yep. and I'm gonna do my best to to make get there happen. to make it happen. It may not happen this year because of of what it is and, and the nature of my life right now as a mom with three kids, but but I'm going to do my best to get there. So uh, thanks so much for this conversation, Dad, and, uh, and we'll see you all next week.
0: Thank you for listening to today's edition of More Than Medicine. You can follow Jackson Family Ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and on their website. Be sure to contact them via Ministry at gmail.com for speaking engagements and for book information. Join us next time for more than medicine.